I was going to say, actually, how do you feel about... Um, have you ever had um, Mongozo, Mongozo beer? I don't know. Mongozo beer is that... Um, it's Indian mango beer. Right, okay. And it's fucking unbelievable. It is the most refreshing beverage <laughs> you've ever drank. It is absolutely... If, it, if, it's, if it's got mango in it, I'm in. Well, I was going to say, you can't buy it in supermarkets. You can only buy it when you go to, like, a restaurant and they've got it in bottles. Restaurant. Yeah, um, but you can order it online, but right. you've got to order it by the case, and it's, I think it's I think it's about £35 for, for about 20 bottles. Right, it's not, okay. It's not cheap. So I was going to ask if you wanted to go halves in for when yeah, you yeah. get them through. Um, yeah, that's fine. But it's fucking, oh, it's special. <laughs> Jesus Christ, it's special. <laughs> I had, it was my first beer in it, you know. It was a, when me and Fatima went to um, Prashad's a couple of weeks right, ago, yeah, yeah. You know, just 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 behind me, um, <laughs> we went to Prashad's and uh, I, I had a bottle of Mongozo and um, with 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 the meal I was eating and the, I was like, oh my god, this is just a perfect combo. And I was like, this is just the ultimate in refreshment. So. Uh, I, 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 I said to her, I said, when Simon comes, I might ask him if he wants to go abs in on some of these. Yeah, definitely. But they're, just, but, they're just difficult to get hold of. What's it called? Mon, mon, Mongo? M-O-N? Mon? Yeah. G-O-Z-O? Mongozo. Oh, coconut, coconut fruit beer. Uh, they do have a, they have different. There's the mango one that we want. Banana fruit beer. Mango fruit beer. Master yeah. of malt. Whew, yeah. Two pound eighty-five a bottle. Yeah, I've seen, I've seen that. Where have I seen that? Yeah, you might have seen it in restaurants and stuff. Yeah, maybe. Never tried it though. Mm, oh, it's nice. It's stunning. It's perfect. It's exactly <laughs> what you. It's exactly what you want from a mango beer. <laughs> what? Nothing. <laughs> Is it a conviction thing? Again? It's like you're trying to make me buy shares in it. <laughs> I, I, I've agreed to buy half a case. That's all. That's all I'm going with. <laughs> Can I get some? Yeah. Do you want to invest in uh, my girls? Yeah. I probably would actually do that. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode, another Patreon exclusive episode of the Simon and Ross podcast show. Joined as always by my. Steam friend and colleague across across the trans penines, was, uh, Mr. Simon Parker. Uh, was my door opening on its own putting you off then? I didn't even notice until I looked up, <laughs> but, it, but it would have done. Has, has, has Emily sort of got a hunched back all of a sudden? No, she's trying to sneak in because she's nicked my chair because I've been I've been kneeling down the whole time I've been talking to you. Have you? <laughs> yeah. Oh, you not noticed I'm higher now? <laughs> I thought you just moved further away from the screen. <laughs> yeah, I was kneeling the whole time, and uh, I, I thought she'd literally be two minutes with it. We've got this one. Is why, this is this is why we need a Patreon, guys, um, <laughs> to get Simon a fucking chair to sit on. <laughs> <laughs> and if that takes off, we'll get him a bed to sleep in, and possibly some toast to have for breakfast of a morning. I mean, instead of the Patreon thing, if you just want to send me IKEA vouchers, that's just as good. <laughs> we'll do we'll do episodes for IKEA vouchers. Don't worry about that. Say what my um. Did some gardening at my, on my lunch break, and um, <laughs> so that was an immediate tangent. A lot of them. No, it's just dawned on me now because it's it, it's it's just uh, it's just thinged up, flared up. I um I, I got stung to high heaven by uh, all these nettles. I had my gardening gloves on, but um, they went straight through those fuckers, and uh, all down my thumb. It's all tingly. 
and um, not not the place. Um, it, it's, it's just for call me my thumb and my hand is all just like really tingly from these nettle stings. You're listening to Ross's Gardening Time. <laughs> yeah. Can anybody provide a dock leaf? <laughs> or a cup of piss? I may have stung my anus. Can you see if a dock leaf will work on it, please? Thank you very much. Thank you very much. <laughs> Any road. So this episode is um, an episode that we did a short while ago um, on books. We were just waiting for the right time to release it. I've been trying to convince Simon to do uh, an episode on books for since its inception four years ago. What, what, and, since, uh, since books started? <laughs> since the beginning of books. <laughs> oh. since, since the first book. <laughs> I've, I've, learned, I've, I've learned how to translate cave scrawling <laughs> in, in an attempt to persuade you. Well, that, that's, a, that's a Patreon episode already. This, already this, done, this, this dumb fuck is only just wrapping his head around hieroglyphs. <laughs> Yeah, so it, it, it starts off talking about books, and we do that for quite a fair while, uh, and then we talk a little bit about music as well. Um, so there is a there is a playlist on Spotify. It's called Simon and Ross's Books, and some of the music that's uh, featured in there, even of the books, is featured on that as well. And if obviously we do anything like that again, we'll we'll just add to it. We'll just add to it. We'll just, no, add, just add to it. This is it. To get you to read more, but I feel like the uh, the Lord of the Rings side project <laughs> is probably going to finish you off. I'm burning every single book I own after I finish these, <laughs> Inclu- including the um, Kindle. <laughs> yeah, that's going in the sink. <laughs> Spin cycle. There you go. Gone. You bastard. No, it's fine. We we will do something else because I, I have read I have read other books, so that's good. There's all sorts I'd love to there's, talk there's about. Like, with there's books. like fifty odd Mister Men books to talk about. I thought you were going to say there's like fifty books out there. <laughs> there's a good there's a good fifty books out there. I can't get through all of them. There's about fifty books in the Romney Mobile Library. <laughs> yeah. Eight of which are Thesaurus. <laughs> You didn't expect me to read a cover, a cover of a Thesaurus. Which dinosaur is that? The, the, the Thesiosaurus. Thesiosaurus. <laughs> is that the, one of the ones that John Hammond did? The thing is, you don't even need to alter the words to make it sound like a dinosaur. Like the Thesaurus <laughs> the dinosaur. You don't need to add any more to make it sound more like more. more. Just a big muscle. Goes, or goes up to you and just goes, <laughs> and then walks off. <laughs> It just gives you. It just gives you. It doesn't matter what. It's one of the most annoying dinosaurs because no matter what you say, it will give you eight different versions of saying the same thing. <laughs> T Rex. Tyrannosaurus. We need to run. Move swiftly. Um... <laughs> <laughs> Shatter yourself. Soiled your undercrackers. Made a mess. Go on, Thesaurus. You're gonna get fucking eaten. <laughs> Evacuate yourself. <laughs> yeah, and evacuate yourself. <laughs> Leave forthwith. Uh, anyway, so, yeah. um, so what, what were we saying? <laughs> oh yeah, so um, so if we ever do anything like this, we'll just add uh, more music to the list. It'll be quite a nice um, uh, things on there. You've got uh, uh, "Life on Mars" by David Bowie, "Sherry Fat Man" by Carter, "The Unstoppable Sex Machine." Uh, Confusion by New Order, some Rolling Stone, some Static X is on there, Ross. Oh. Uh, and then, what song? Uh, ho, 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 oh, oh. 
Hal. Okay, no. Is he going to throw up into the see, microphone? You or? see what? You see why I can't? See why I struggle to read <laughs> three three Lord of the Rings books? Hollow. All oh, right. Okay. Oh, so time not, to change that, or is that same? Uh, there's also uh, Ots Ots Otstego Place. Oh fuck! 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 <laughs> Okay, <laughs> Hello, Project Regeneration and oh, yeah. Ots, Otsego Placebo. Right, okay. Okay. Do you, do you want to change them? Yeah, I'd like you to change them all. <laughs> <laughs> you, you, can keep, you can keep Hollow on there because that's off Project Regeneration, but um, I think you just need to stick to the first album. You need, you need to stick to Wisconsin Death Trip. No, I think you were talking about this album. Yeah, Project Regeneration. Yeah. Yeah, just have one song on there, but I think if we're going to have Static X on there, we need the Wisconsin Death Trip tracks. So pu- push it on there. Push it. Push it. Yeah. Oh, and push and, it. And put um, Loser on there. You know, I mean, three. You know, I mean, three of the same artist in, in there. Well, there were three a second ago. You've named three, haven't you? No. Right, it's in there. Good. So, uh, so you want me to take the placebo one off? Yes. Just replace. Just, just put. Just make sure push it is on there. I, I have done. It's, yeah. it's on there. So yeah. Now, so, so now push it's on there. So you, even even better. Yes. I'm so I'm so tempted to burst into a song, but uh, it's probably a bit. Oh, you just just listen to it. No, go on. Do a little bit. No, no. I can. No, it's, it's too. Uh, it's too. He- I can't. It's too heavy. It's. I can't. I can't get that guttural. That guttural growl that Wayne Static gets. I did actually listen to them. They, they, they were they were exactly as you described. Yeah, a little bit of a cross between a lot of the dance stuff that I listened to, and then some heavy some, stuff that I some would never... some, ch- some chuggy chug and some yeah. smashy smash. Yeah, <laughs> it's a little bit like I, I don't know, getting bummed by Morby. Yeah, that's the one. <laughs> like <laughs> Nat- Nat- Natalie Portman. Um, so. Um... <laughs> You were the Natalie Portman in that equation, weren't you? What the, what the hell? <laughs> <laughs> it's like listening to porcelain very, very loudly. You're sort of enjoying it, but you'd rather it stopped. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it is good, but not not right now. Yeah. <laughs> so we hope you enjoy it. And uh, like I say, thank you for being our patrons and uh, we hope you enjoy this one and there will be more to come so thanks very much thanks guys bye bye moby stop it that makes me worry you know because my asshole's always giving me jip like it's never, it's never. I never feel like it's quite right down there. <laughs> Anything below waist is an absolute fucking pointless to me, to be honest. Yeah, the, only, uh... the only thing I've got is I've got I've got fantastic quadriceps, but me, but me, me, me balls look like the sort of inside of a Doctor X action figure, <laughs> and, and me and me ass is <laughs> me ass is just always up to something odd. That naughty little ass. <laughs> So I've always wanted to do one predominantly on books. Yeah. As a uh, a big reader. 
and um, I'm just as passionate about books as I am about films and music. Okay. Whereas <laughs> we've never touched on it in in four years of podcasts, we've never even touched on books. No. Oh, I've got three. a book. I've got a book. Don't worry about it. I've got a book. Is it Year it's of right. the Worm that you were told to it, read in secondary school? It's, <laughs> no, it, it's here. It's te- it's technically two books, but we'll go on to that. Right. Well, I want to talk about a book that's been really, really important to me. Um, right. Uh, Are we going straight in? <laughs> going straight in? Oh, yeah. Well, I talk about. <laughs> right. Okay. All right. Yeah. Could at least spit on it first. I've been... <laughs> I'm not taking it out for dinner. <laughs> give it a spit. Just give it a spit. <laughs> um, so, so this, you know, there's books that come and go. And there's, you know, I, I've always found that I go through different um, phases of the type of book that I like to read. So... Yeah. Um, for example, like when I was uh, in when I was at the University of Derby, um, my um, girlfriend at the time was at the university in, in Lancaster, and I used to go through sort of every other weekend, and I used to love the Lancaster uh, market day. And in that market, they had they, they essentially had two bookstalls, and they were side by side, like different people ran them. And what one was one was classic literature, and one was sort of um, everything else. Really, it was just. Uh, you know, you're more modern stuff. You'd find a lot of, you know, sort of James Patterson and Stephen King and um, Clive Cussler and, you know, it was all sort of more modern. And I and I, I used to, every every fortnight, I used to buy one book from the modern bookstand of an author that I'd never heard of and one from the classic bookstand because for a long time I collected classical literature. I used to try and find the oldest edition of a book that I could find. Um, which leads me on to another interesting fact is um, at, on one of these such days, um, I was at the classic stand talking to the the owners and uh, I found an original version. This isn't the book I'm going to talk about, but it's quite interesting. I found an original version of uh, first edition of um, Robinson Crusoe, Daniel right. Duff, uh, which was 1893 uh, 90, or 94, I think. That's uh, how much you charged you? No, no. I, well, that's the thing is, I picked up this book, and uh, and I looked at it and I thought, Christ, this is this is old. And and I looked through and I, and I opened it and saw that it was a first edition, and I and I thought, I'm not going to make a big deal of this because if it's priced like the others are. So I just said to the the, the bloke who was who was on the stall, I said, How much for the, how much for this tatty old piece of shit? Yeah, <laughs> I paid a quid for it, and uh, and it's um. It's actually valued. Every now and again, I go online and see what those sort of what they're selling for. And at the minute, I think it's valued at just over a grand. Wow! Um, for a first edition Daniel Defoe. So I've still got that, and and be, because of how old it is, and because of how brittle it is, I actually um, chose to not read that version. So I, I bought a, a you know a reprint just so I didn't risk damaging. Because I'm not kidding you. You you almost need tweezers because if the pages are that thin and brittle. Um, and the spine has worn away a little bit. It's like I don't want to risk damaging it any more than it, it already was. So, so I've, I've got that in a bag in with the rest of my books, um, buried at the bottom, um, safe as ours is. And then, uh, and then, and then I went. I, I bought a newer version to actually read. So that's the first point. Um, but that brings me on to the book that I want to talk about today, um, where I think a lot of, everybody knows this story. You can try and guess what it is, Simon. Right. Everyone knows this book. 
everyone knows the author. Everybody has come into contact with this story in some shape or form. I've read it, poof, I don't know, four or five times in different oh. versions. So many stories have stemmed from this story in terms of the type of characters that are in it. There's films, aplenty, different versions, stage shows. It's one of the greatest stories ever written. Oh, is it the Bible? <laughs> yeah, br brought to life by Mel Gibson. <laughs> yeah. It's far more in the Bible than just Jesus, thank you very much. No, it's not the Bible, no. Are you anywhere near it? No. Uh, no. Uh, so, um, uh, uh, Charles Dickens. So, uh, A Tale of Two Cities? No. Um, the Pickwick Papers? <laughs> no. Um, uh, David Copperfield? No. Little Dorrit? Yeah, how are you going through these and you haven't touched on one of the, his best works? Um, Bleak House? No. Bleak House? No. No, that's a good one, though. Um, You've already said sort of my top two. two Nicholas, top Nicholas Nickleby? No. This is all going from memory. I'm not looking at any list or anything. Um, <laughs> I'll explain why you, why you keep looking sideways. I'm looking at the coffee pods. Have the you, coffee have pods are giving me... Have you got them all written on the side of your fridge? <laughs> Could you give me Oliver? Give me another clue. Um, um, it depicts the education uh, of an author. Um, ah! Called Pip. Great expectations. Yes. Right. So if I if, if I had to, you know, obviously I, I've spent the last few days sort of thinking about if I'm going to talk about the first book that I'm going to bring in. Yeah. Um, what would it be? And if somebody sort of said to me, you know, it might if somebody said, "What's what's the best book you've ever read?" I don't know if that would if that wouldn't necessarily be my answer. But just based on how. Uh, important it was to me and even back when you know it was one of the books that made me want to write books yeah. <laughs> even though i'm yet to ever write one it certainly give it, it sparked my creative writing hobby yeah um and it, and, it, and it was a big part of why i decided to do that type of thing at college and at university as well my grandma loves great expectations and she used to talk to me about it when i was a kid when i was actually too young to really understand it i feel and appreciate it for what it was all of the characters and great expectations, you know, you can, you can see where they all, um, there's so many authors that have used those types of characters to make other stories. So, you know, Estella, if you remember Estella, you know, the girl, the beautiful, but cold Estella. Yeah. That he, that he, he sort of chase, chases after for, for ages. Yeah. And yeah. Yeah. And then you've got Miss Havisham. Yeah. Yeah. You've got Magwitch, Pip, Pip's dad. Well, not his real dad, um, but it's it's all of these characters are recurring in so many stories. Yeah, I mean, it's probably not released. When did you? When? How old do you think it is? Great Expectations. Uh, <clears throat> eighteen seventy-five. Not far off. Eighteen sixty-one. Ooh. And it was, you know, it was originally released as is in volumes. Yeah. Um, and it was actually the thirteenth book by Charles Dickens. It wasn't like yeah. he wrote that, everyone fell in love with him and then he started. I mean, my, my top three, if, if we don't include Christmas Carol, my top three would be 
would be David Copperfield, Bleak House, and um, Great Expectations. Yeah, those three stories that I absolutely those are the first three Dickens stories that I actually read and, and loved. Um, the Old Curiosity Shop is another favourite of mine. So yeah, I mean, I, 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 without going on a big, I mean, have you read Great Expectations? Have you? You must have seen uh, maybe a film. We, we did read it at school, and obviously you were supposed to read it yourself when you got home, and I, I never did. Um, but it, it was when he got to the end and you found out who had given him all the money. Mm-hmm. I just thought, oh, I'd almost even forgotten that character existed. You know, he's, he's not in it for that long, is he? At, at the beginning, is it? It's, it's in, and then everything happens in his life and so many years pass and you, you just forget. And I don't think there's another reference to him until that point, is there? Very scary scene, actually, when uh, yeah, yeah, when he follows him into the. It's quite, and it's a very famous scene in the graveyard. Yeah. I remember, I, I, uh, and we watched, we watched it. I think we finished the book, and then we watched the the film after. I think it had Michael York and um, James Mason. Mm. Ooh, my name is James Mason. Uh, um, that's, Bob, that's Bob Dylan. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> my name is James Mason. No, that's that's Bob Dylan. I'll leave all this money to you, um, but no, it's <laughs> to you. Um, but yeah, I, I remember it's them too. And uh, like I say, at the end, when uh, you know, I, and and also that I think the, the the fact that you don't really know what's going on with Miss Havisham either, do you? Um, they don't. I don't seem to remember it massively explaining. Why well, he just sort of said, you know, she got stood up at the altar, sort of thing, and and that's it. But you still don't know that much about her, even at the end, do you? Um, no. And and, no. and you do, and you do when you're reading it, and it keeps going on about this benefactor, and you sort of, well, it's her, isn't it? She's obviously a lot nicer than than we realised, or she's been portrayed, and she she kind of feels sorry for him, um, but obviously not. She's just a bitch. Um, and when you find out it's this guy who he did he feed him or something I can't I can't quite remember or, or he gives him shelter or something at the beginning doesn't he mm. never hear from him ever again and then suddenly it's him that's given him all this money. Mm. Abel Magwitch. Yeah. So no, it's it's a it's a it's a, it's a really good story. Um, I think it's just so. I mean, Dickens has a very unique way of portraying class, and I think to the. Um, Charles Dickens is, is inc- was incredibly good at writing a twat, <laughs> wasn't he? Writing, but yes. Yeah, it was, very, it was a very good at writing. But he, if, you, if you can imagine the nastiest, most evil people in the whole world, he, he's able to capture them, isn't he, in his characters? Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and, and you, you almost think, why, why are they this nasty? You know, he hasn't done anything. Or, you know, even all through his books are... are I remember um, in Oliver Twist, and who um, did uh, Bill Sykes? Just a nasty, nasty, nasty man, isn't he? He is. And you just think it, it, it's, it's relentlessly awful. Yeah. And you know, and eventually ends up killing Nancy, doesn't he? And you sort of think, why? And you don't, again, you don't really find out why either, do you? He's just a twat. Yeah, I think um, poverty is quite a big theme for Charles Dickens. Yeah. And, um, and, and you know, is the, the, the places that his characters come from and, and their rise and in some cases fall. Um, 
he just portrays i mean even there's there's certain um books that have um, I mean, even the illustrations, I do like a picture book. <laughs> you've, never read, you've never read the pop-up version of David Copper. Um, and just, just the way his characters are so, are so vivid, the depth that goes into them. And, and like I say, they've been used time and time and time again in, in other stories. I mean, all, all stories essentially come from Russian fairy tales. So there's a lot of um, the, the roles associated that every good story is supposed to have, you know, the good, the bad, the mentor, um, the various um, roles that each character is supposed to play for the progression of a story actually originates largely from old uh, Russian fairy tales. And likewise, I think the characters that Dickens created, there's, there's, a, there's a lot of people that take ideas from that. Um, but he just, I don't think anybody really could portray um, the themes and put across the themes like wealth and poverty and and love and rejection and good triumphing over evil and he just did it in such a way um, with so with so many books that not many authors can really do as well I'd also say I, I, obviously you're, you're more up on it as well but just because just because um I'm gonna, I'm gonna show that fucking dog. It's like they decide that they see me start sat by this computer and the microphone and they start fucking soaring outside again. And the Staley Bridge Carnival kicks in. I don't live in Staley Bridge, I live in Romilly. Romilly. <laughs> Staley Bridge is eight miles that way. Um what's saying? Oh yeah, just just oh, because don't, don't ever suggest that Simon lives in Staley Bridge. <laughs> <laughs> he gets very, very sensitive about it. Um just because they're either a main character or a, a good person doesn't actually always necessarily mean the end, the, the, their end in the book is good either, does it? No. Um, you know, it, it, it's not the sort of Hollywood finish to the books uh, no. as, as you tend to find now. Um, you know, it is possible they will end up penniless or in a pauper's jail or dead or ostracized from the family or, or all sorts of things, isn't it? It's, it's it was, uh, braver than most people i think as well like how it translates time wise is you know uh, the idea of being poor means something very you know it, it's it's it, it poor is bloody poor <laughs> anything you want to add to that simon <laughs> especially if you're stuck on a moor <laughs> if you're poor and on a moor <laughs> And it's these, it's it's these. You know, I mean, let's 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 look at um, character that everybody would would uh, characters that everybody would know from a Dickens story. Let's look at the Cratchits from A Christmas Carol. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. They were bloody yeah. poor. Yeah. <laughs> you know, uh, it's yeah. heartbreaking how the you know when they're preparing for Christmas and what they make do with and the yeah that message that you know um, it doesn't matter how you know money doesn't matter when you've got family yeah and and you see that you see how bloody poor they are absolutely yeah. destitute and, and how you know how we compare poor now compared to then yeah um it's so that it's it's sort of the desperation is palpable yeah um yeah it, yeah, yeah it's some of the strongest characters that you will ever read in a book yeah are bloody poor <laughs> And I'm sure about that. <laughs> I, have, have, you, have you seen the new version of David uh, Copperfield that's, that's come out? No. It's good. Is it good? 
It's good. I've never read David Copperfield, so I, I can't really even, I can't compare it to the book. I don't know if it's been changed or not, but um, that, that, that shows that you know, when, um, who's, the, who's the guy that he goes to live with in London? What's his name? Um, oh, Christ. It's been a few years since I've read it now. Can't remember. All right. Anyway. But, and, and you know, it, he's constantly dodging the, um, the, the sort of tax people and, yeah. uh, and they, they're constantly coming around to his house to this start, you know, they're taking things from his house and he, he ends up in a pauper's prison as well, doesn't well, he? He, 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 all, he, he professes wealth. Yeah. He's one, the, he's one of the most skint blokes. Yeah. He's quite a funny character. Um, I'm just trying to look now. Let's see. Ma- Ma- is it Macaub? Macaub? No. Macaub? Yeah, Macaub. Wilkins, Wilkins, Macabre. Yeah. And poor little Tommy Traddles. <laughs> Which fans he? Uh, Tommy is David's friend. Um, he, he's, uh, he draws skeletons on the slate to cheer himself up. Um, oh, remind I don't, himself. I don't think that's in the film. Traddles works hard, but faces great obstacles because of his lack of memory and connections. Right, okay. Seeds in making a name and a career for himself, becoming a judge and marrying his true love, Sophie. So, so you won't have read any? Have you? Have you I mean, you, you probably read Christmas Carol, I imagine. Uh, I've never, never actually read it. Now you're doing yourself a massive injustice here. I've got, I've got it. I've got, I've got a, an illustrated version of it that I really want to read at some point. Well, this Christmas, get it done. Yeah. Because well, uh, I, I, I feel, I feel really. I always, I know reading, you know isn't for everyone and you know some people read loads some people just can't seem to but i i, I always feel a little bit sorry for people who, who who just don't read for whatever reason they just they have the, you know they didn't do it at a young age and they don't do it it's one of those things where i think when you're young there's not many people i know who started reading when they were older like they either like if they didn't do it when they were younger they don't do it now yeah. or you know the people who loved reading books when they were younger continue to love reading books now and it's it's a hobby, you know. It's it's just it's just as it's just as prominent a hobby as sitting down and watching a film or putting your headphones in and listening to an album start to finish when it comes out. I, I tend to, I, t- I but I I think that's why I I've got a switch. I've got a switch in my head and Nintendo. Nintendo, <laughs> Nintendo so battery's gone, so it's completely useless now. Um, I, but I think because I didn't read when I was young, and it was you know I probably. Ooh, I hate to say, it, but I was probably nineteen before I read my first book, proper book. Um, I think because it's not ingrained in my head that that's a default thing to do. Is that why you were twenty-eight when you lost your virginity? Uh, twenty-nine, but yeah. Um, apparently, the folds in fat don't count. Um, but. Um, <laughs> Oh Christ alive! <laughs> That's what he said, anyway. Uh, <laughs> but, um, but I think that—that's why it's not a default thought for me, because I went so long without reading a book. It's not an automatic thing to do. I've got to think about it. I mean, I've got still, to. Still, we've got so much access, and I mean, I tell you that you can find some really good books. And this is something me and my grandma do. Is um, I, I know how to get hold of books, Ross. We look at the uh, yeah, but it's opening them and looking at them. <laughs> yeah, that's the key. Yeah. I don't like damaging the spines. <laughs> <laughs> you, 
you can get, uh, you know, I mean, like Richard and Judy, their, their uh, book club. There's some really, really good ones in there, and they've been decades. Yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, we, we, me and my grandma have come across some. You know, quite often one of us will read a book, and we, we, we both have a Kindle, mm-hmm. which uh, I, I, you know, I, I, I couldn't get on board with the Kindle because I came from collecting classic literature, and at one point I had uh, aspirations of uh, opening a bookshop when I retired. And, and I, I, I refused to get rid of any book and it was just getting ridiculous because I was buying them every fortnight for years and years and years. And, the, <clears throat> and then, uh, you know, I, 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 was, I looked at getting a Kindle, but then I didn't like not being able to turn the pages. I didn't, enjoy, you know, I, you know, it's like when you go and buy a vinyl, you know, you don't want to order a vinyl online unless you absolutely have to. You want to go to a, a fair or a shop and, and flick through them and get the smells and lift it up yeah. and it's part of the magic and, and, and actually reading a book and flicking through the pages. That's part of the magic. So for me, digitizing all of that for a long time, I was like, no, nah, I'm not doing it. And then yeah. Fafner actually bought me a Kindle and, and, and I started, and now I do both. I, I, <laughs> you threw it straight at her. Don't give <laughs> I read, that shite. I read books and I, and I use my Kindle and, and we got yeah. my grandma one for, for Chris for, for a birthday one year and we share the same Amazon account. So now, you can just message me with some books. I'll buy them on my Kindle. Mm. And the minute she connects to the internet on hers, they'll all upload. So she'll have those books on her Kindle too. So, you know, there's a lot of stories that I've come across from authors. I never would have, I never would have, uh, no. you know, found. Um, the Richard and Judy just say, read this. It's a solid eight. And uh, there's just some great, I mean, I could go on and on and on. But, uh, you know, you, you, you really need to, you know, do yourself the favor of, of, of trying to read more because uh well that it was the thing because it is such an effort I, I i'm i'm still very much like you for me to have read a book and finished a book i like to have the book on on my shelf as like a trophy for finishing it so you know so i i don't tend to get rid of any of the books i've read well uh, i'm no longer like that i took fucking loads of them to a charity shop and, yeah got because I, every time i was moving you know since i since i came back from the us yeah. and uh and and I, and I was moving you know i was i was living in a different house every bloody year when i first came to leeds you know for the first three or four years and i <laughs> the hardest part about it all was getting all these boxes of books and taking them between all these houses and and eventually i just thought you know fuck this i I'm not going to open a bookshop. I'm just going to sort. So I end up getting rid of um, the vast majority of them and, and keeping ones that were particularly special to me. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I got rid of most of them, and and now I'm a lot more. I'm I'm, I'm less sentimental about the idea of un, unless it's you know, all my classic ones, all my really old ones. I, I'll never get rid of them, um, and I do have a really old collection of Dickens books. I, I'll, I'll go through a state. I'll have six months where I've always got a book on me. I mean, some some years it's the same book for six months, but. But then it just, it's, it's just habit, I think. Yeah. Just habit. And I haven't got the habit all the time. <laughs> yeah. So what's your, what was it that you wanted to, what, what? Well, I, I've, I, I've got, I've got one, which is, um, you, you won't, you won't have heard of it, but um, it's called, um, it's it's two books in one. So the the first one's called uh, it's a god awful small affair, and the second book is called uh, Harvey King unboxes his family. And I started reading this about six weeks ago. Read the first book, 
uh, in about five days. <laughs> I, I don't know if you, do you find sometimes if you, if you are, if it's like a few years ago, I really got into the Terry Pratchett books and I read about four or five of them on the bounce after each other. Yeah. And I got like the sixth one and I just thought, sick of reading Terry Pratchett books. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I enjoyed, <laughs> I enjoyed, I enjoyed it, but I, I had to, certainly with them, I had to leave them a, a good few months until I read another one. Yeah, of course you don't. And, and then, I, then I'd read about another five again. Yeah, you can't. I mean, I, I did that with, um, yeah, I'm a big Stephen King fan. Yeah. And, uh, and I, I've, I've read, um, well, on, on the last count, it was 35 uh, Stephen King books. Uh, so I've probably read more Stephen King books than you've read books. No, that's, no, that's not quite true. Is it not? Oh. No, no. Well, that makes me happier. <laughs> um, and, you know, you, you can get to a point where, because I was cycling through them at one stage. I mean, I, yeah. I read Desperation and then I went on to The Green Mile and, and then I read uh, The Shining and It. And, and I, I just could not get enough because, you know, Stephen King has, there is such a thing as a Stephen King multiverse yeah. where, you know, there's, he refers to other characters in books and there's lots of little sort of Easter eggs hidden within his books where, you mm. you know, he refers to different characters from another story. Um but yeah, it got to a point where I was like, I was getting Stephen King burnout, <clears throat> and uh, and it's it's actually been uh, probably it's probably been about uh, it's over a year since uh, since I read my last Stephen King book. I, th- I think it's it's I've read a few of his books, and I I do find I don't know I, I think it's quite well documented, but I, th- I think his endings can be quite poor. Well, I've got a theory. Um, yeah, I think I think people put too much stock in endings. Uh, well, I know you said this said this about films, but certainly with a book, with some, with someone like me, you may maybe have invested a month into a book. Sometimes you just feel that he runs out of ideas at the end, and just has to wrap it up. Um, so yeah, so a god awful small affair, uh, and Harvey King unbo- unboxes his family. Um, I'll, re- I'll read you the first few lines if you want. Okay, I'll retreat. <laughs> a god-awful small affair. Chapter one. This is my audition for uh, audiobooks. Zoe Patricia Love was 15 when she went into a town with her brother to pay respects to their favourite singer on the first anniversary of his death. Before they left the house, Zoe painted a red and blue lightning bolt onto Nathan's face. Don't get it into my eyes, Nathan said. I won't if you just keep still. When Zoe finished, she gave Nathan a mirror and the album cover she'd been copying it from. Nathan compared the cover to his reflection. I could shave your eyebrows off if you'd like, said Zoe. Nathan put his hands and the record in front of his face until Zoe swore on their dad's life and their mum's grave that she wasn't really holding a razor. So basically, this girl... We're talking about uh, Ziggy Stardust, here. Uh, yeah, it's it's uh, basically the, uh, the the girl Zoe is obsessed with David Bowie, and it's set in Brixton, uh, where David Bowie was from, uh, and it's it's a year after his death, and they eventually go to like a shrine that's been put up to um, to commemorate him. She's convinced that she's been abducted by aliens a couple of years before um and she's just basically waiting to be abducted again no one believes her uh the only person that believes her is a brother and she disappears and that's all i can tell you sounds like a good book that it's it's amazing um it's written by jb morrison 
who um did you, have you ever heard of carter the unstoppable sex machine i've heard of it yeah I've yeah never read it. no that that's a, that's a band <laughs> um so it's uh, <laughs> <laughs> that'll be why i've never read it <laughs> yeah um it's a band in the 80s uh and they they were big uh, I've, I've apart from the pet shop boys the, the the band i've been to seeing the most uh live i think mm. i saw them about seven times in the end and uh, this this split up about 15 years ago and he's been writing books ever since. Um, he, read, he, read a, he wrote a book called uh, Frank Derrick, something like The Diary of... I think, a, I've, I think I've seen them live. Have you? Oh. <laughs> um, he's done two books, two books on Frank Derrick. Frank Derrick's a, like an 80-odd-year-old 80, 80 man. And uh, fascinating. He's got a knack of actually making you care about these characters. And I've not read one of his books and not burst out crying at the end. So well, why, how, why does that not um, give you the... Because that, that's what books are all about, right? So yeah. does that not make you want to just, as soon as you put one down, pick another one up? And Yeah, yeah. I, I always intend to, re- to read another one straight away. So what does it come down to? Is it laziness? Does it feel got, like it's too big of a commitment? I've got a million other things to do. And especially normally, like all normally. that time you know, like on the train and stuff. <laughs> Yeah, so, you know, it's the perfect time to. Well, I, I, there's three things I do on a train: is I'll either drink, read a book, masturbate, <laughs> defecate. Um, I'll either I'll either read a book, listen to music, and close my eyes, or play a game on my phone, and that's it. Uh, and generally, because I'm quite tired, <laughs> I, it tends to be put music on and close my eyes. Yeah. I always used to rate the uh, the quality of a book from. Um, when I used to uh, work in, uh, after, after I finished working at Jessup's and started working at Prometheus, and I used to um, get the bus in, uh, the book would, if, if I was actually taking the book onto the, to read on the bus, knowing that the bus journey was only about 10 minutes. Yeah, yeah you know, that meant I, I, couldn't, I couldn't put it down. It had to come with me everywhere I went. And even if I had a 10 minute slot, you know, even if I was going to the bloody doctors or the dentist or whatever, the book has to come with me. And you know you're onto a good and then because you, you you literally can't wait to get up and pick it up and start reading it. You know what I mean? Even first thing in the morning when you're just having 10 minutes to get a coffee down you, yeah. you know, you're picking it up, you've got to get through it. And there's a few there's a few books. There's a lot of books that have had I, that I, effect. I, ha- I had that. It, it does happen to me. It does. Um, the, the first proper book I read uh, was James Herbert's The Rats. Yeah. And I, I remember... Um, having my, my lunch break we, we had half an hour then and w- at a minute left I'd put all my stuff away with what with you know with one hand and I'd still have the book in my hands and as I was walking to go out to go back onto the shop floor I'd literally have the book there and as soon as I get through the door like that I'd just put the book down and go and start working um, it's fascinating it's, that's the first time anything like that has happened to me I remember, I remember once I walked to a park in Stockport just to go and sit, <laughs> to go and sit and read a book. <laughs> With, uh, I wouldn't do that now. <laughs> what's the best? Because um, I bet you've read a few autobiographies. Yeah. So what's your favourite autobiography? There's, there's, there's two really. No, there's, there's about five. <laughs> um, hang on. got them here so that is um it's called substance yeah was peter hook the um was that the peter hook the bassist 
Yeah. yeah. That is no longer in new order. And it's... Do it's a bit a, of a cock. A... <laughs> uh, he's in one of my favourite bands ever, so I'd never say that officially. So he's, he is a bit uh, of a cock, then. <laughs> I can say it for you. Um, yeah. I mean, it's almost 800 pages long. You know, it, it's a big book. I didn't get the hardback because it was just too heavy. <laughs> um, and this is this is his third, maybe even fourth autobiography. It's um, a lot to say. Yeah, and a lot of opinions. Um, thing is, new new order of. of there's only Gillian, who's the the lady in New Order, who hasn't written a book. Uh, like an autobiography um peter hook's written about five and the drummer stephen morris has written one as well that that one is <laughs> that the one by stephen morris it's called Re- uh, record play and pause is funny he's obviously a very funny guy and it's it's really honest it goes into it he goes into his drug use and everything like that uh, he he got expelled from Macclesfield School um, be, because of it um, and things like that. And, you know, a lot of people would leave that out. Um, Peter Hook is just a bitter man. He's a very bitter man. And it comes across. Um, it's fascinating and it is really interesting and it has funny bits, but you just come away thinking you need to get over it now. So you don't think he won any fans with that book? Yeah, yes, no, maybe, all of the above. I, the, the, the more I read it, the more I think, the more I thought, you are so bitter about everything. You know, it, it, there's, there's, there's not many pages where there isn't a reference to Bernard Sumner. And, you know, the, even when, even they, ha, they have like a bit where they've got on really well or they have a really good night or they're really happy about something. And at the end of it, it goes, at the end of that paragraph, he'll say something like, um, uh, Needless see, to say, see, I had the last see, laugh. Well, well, no, that, no, I'll come on to that. Uh, it, like things like, uh, you see, we did get on at some points and you sort of think, oh, just shut up. Um, mm. But it is interesting. That, that's very, very fact driven. So it is fascinating. That's very funny. Um, Bernard Sumner's is, Needless to say, I had the last laugh, and it's just like, oh, so, right. which is why I was a bit, I was a bit uh, reluctant to get the Stephen Morris one because I didn't want it to be like the sixth one like that that I'd read. But it, it's fascinating; it's really interesting. Um, and the, the other, these aren't autobiographies, but Pet Shop Boys, <laughs> um, they released two books uh, in the eighties and nineties. Uh, one's called uh, Literally, and the other one's called Pet Shop Boys vs. America. And it's by um, uh, an author called Chris Heath, and he basically followed them around on tour. And um, it's just the stories of that. And again, they don't come across com- very very well out of it. You, there's certain points where you sort of think, oh, you sound like you're a bit of a dick there. But they were quite happy to leave it all in. And again, it is funny and you kind of think, oh, because they, they, were, they were very secretive, the Pet Shop Boys at the time. There was very little. They didn't give much. You got the album, you got the music, you got the video and, and that was it. Um, whereas this was actually quite a good insight into them. And they, they reissued it a couple of months ago <laughs> and I've got it in a box and they repackaged it and put it in there. Oh, so they're cool. the same, same two books in there. That's very nice, is that? 
beautiful. There you go. There good. I remember one of the one of the best. Well, I think it was the first autobiography I ever read, and and like me and oh, well, all my mates that were into it read it. And we sort of passed this copy around each other and just obsessed over it. And it was uh, Have a Nice Day by uh, right. Mick Foley. Right. Otherwise known as Mankind or Cactus Jack or Dude Love. Right. No? Does it mean nothing to you? No. Never, no. Watch res- never watch wrestling when you were younger? Never. Wow. Right. So you don't know who Mick Foley is then? Has he, has he got... Is, is, is his front teeth missing? <laughs> yeah. He was, he was one of the most hardcore wrestlers. Like the shit right. he nobody was doing he right. was having like you know the hardcore and death matches where he was you know going through barbed wire and you know drawing pins and he was an absolute psycho right i mean he got thrown off the top of the uh hell in a cell straight through uh, the commentator's desk he was mick foley is as hardcore as it gets with wrestlers right. and he wrote a book called have a nice day and it was just all about his younger days and then his his professional wrestling career and it was amazing especially as a young wrestling fan as a young wwf fan um that book was absolutely brilliant and we all read it there was me and maybe four or five of my mates who all obsessed over wrestling we all loved that book right have you got it up are you looking at it i'm just looking at it, yeah i i i thought it was a i thought it was a i thought he he um rode motorbikes for some reason that was the Undertaker. Uh, no, it was no. Right, okay. Yeah, I recognise him. I actually got some books. Uh, I picked up some books um, from the uh, from the from the delivery office this morning. Yeah, and it's something I've been talking to uh, Fatima about doing, and because uh, you know I've, I've taken her to sort of a lot of my favourite places in the lakes, and we've always said that we want to do you know we want to do more hikes and. Uh, you know, I think there's about 200 peaks in the Lake District. Yeah. And I was thinking, you know, we need to just start. Going. And, and then I remembered that um, there was a series of books called, you might have heard of them, they're called um, The Wainwrights, The Wainwright Collection. Uh, no. The Western Fells, The Northwestern Fells, The Northern, so on, seven of them. And then it's all illustrated and it essentially tells you the best uh, walks to do around the lakes. Um, the places to stop, the best views you can get. And they're supposed to be quite funny as well. So I bought the whole collection and the plan is to sort of do, you know, do as many of the 200 peaks as we can over the next few years. And it's a good thing to do with kids as well. So what was the, um, let's move on a little bit from books. What was the... um, you, did, was there an album or a film that you that you? So I'll I'll go through the album first. Mm-hmm. Um, this this is as much of a surprise to me uh, as it will be for for you, I think, um, because I've slagged them off for for years, absolute years. I thought I've always thought they're a joke, <laughs> and um, <laughs> I've ridiculed people for liking them. Uh, colleagues at Jessup's especially, uh, Zach especially. Um, oh, you're giving me a clue. I need to try and guess this then. Um, they're still around. Um, they started in the 60s. This album was their 10th album. It was released uh, 1970, in 1972. 67 minutes long. And it was their first double album. Is it the Rolling Stones? It is. <laughs> uh, Exile on... now, are you? No, no. 
Um, it certainly seems like you are. Exile on Main Street. I, deci- I decided to, obviously I've not been to a shop and I've not ordered this. I've owned this for about three years and I've never listened to it. Um, and I thought I was, because uh, obviously the only time I get to do anything really, apart from doing this is taking the dog for a walk. So I've been listening to albums that I've never listened to, trying to anyway. And I thought, fuck it, I'm going to listen to that, to, to that album. Turned it on and blew me away as soon as I listened to it. I was just like, what, what, why, why have I not listened to this before? Why, why, have I, why have I just dismissed them? And I do, I do still think that the Rolling Stones should have given up 30 years ago, but it's a phenomenal album. It's staggering from end to end. Um, it, it starts off uh, with a song called Rocks Off, uh, and I thought it was the song by uh, Primal Scream. I thought Primal Scream yeah, yeah. covered yeah, it. Yeah, rocks off. Yeah, it's, it's not. It's completely different. Um, I, I, I got halfway through the album, and I text Zach, who's a friend of ours who likes the Rolling Stones. And I just text, texted him, Zach, I wish to offer you an apology. I just put dot, dot, dot. And then he texted something back about work. And I went, no, I take it back. The, the Rolling Stones are amazing. <laughs> <laughs> he just went, something like you to change your mind about something. Um, <laughs> um, but uh, the first track uh, rocks off is amazing. Got to the track called um, Sweet Virginia. There's about track number five, number six. Um, and it blew me away. I listened to it six times in a row. Just that one song. Um, f- fa- facts. Um, they'd just been released from their last, last contract. So it was their first album under their own label, just the Rolling Stone label. Um, they, they, they'd become tax exiles in, in France because they spent all the money that they should have given back from uh, you know, tax pay- payments and things. They just spent it all. So they went and hid in France. <laughs> <laughs> to record this album and obviously stay away from the government. Um, so they, they like rented a villa and, and, and recorded it there. I think all of the drug issues and problems sort of came with them. Um, so I think, I believe it was quite a tricky album to, to do. Um, but it, it does, it, it's got, you think of the Rolling Stones, you sort of think cheesy rock, don't you? Generally. Uh, well, well, I did. Um, but there's, bit, there's, there's rock in there, there's, gospel there's country there's there's everything it's like they've literally literally gone through all the genres of music and thrown it thrown everything at it and it does, does this and, not make you want to go and check out other rolling stones albums no because <laughs> you guarantee there'll be more in there that you actually yeah i know i know well, i mean stones fan really i mean i've i've got let it bleed and i think beggar's banquet on vinyl upstairs never listened to them either um but it, it's it's amazing, and it surprised me, and it's annoyed me. It's annoyed me that I like it. I'm gonna have to give it a listen then, aren't I? Yeah, because I've never, I've never, I've never, I've never liked or disliked the Rolling Stones. I've always thought when I've seen them do live performances, because um, Fatima actually saw them at Glastonbury. Really? Yeah, and she never listens to them, but said they were awesome live. Like they did yeah. a great job. Obviously, it's now it's a point where they're almost parodying themselves. But I've always thought they, they still that's sound. My, that's my problem with them. Yeah, yeah. They, uh, they, it, it, it's it's all they are. They are now literally a tribute band of the Rolling Stones. There's a lot of bands though that are regarded for me. There's a lot of bands that are you know regarded as amongst the greatest bands of all time. And yeah. I could pick a few songs by them that I like, but I haven't actually. There's only a very slim few where I've actually where I'm genuinely into them, and I could tell you 
stuff about them. I mean, Pink Floyd obviously being the biggest one. Yeah. Um, Led Zeppelin being another. Uh, probably Queen being another. Um, but bands like the Stones, the Beatles, the Who, ACDC, you know, I mean, I know I'm sort of going across different genres, but, you know, we're talking about great rock bands, ultimately. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and, and, and I like all of them in, in some shape or form, but I'm, I'm, I wouldn't say I was a bona fide, hardcore fan of, of any of them. Um, in fact, to be honest, I, I, think, I think just because of the people that I was hanging around with, I gravitated more towards uh, the punk scene. Like I'm, I, I know more about the Clash than I do about any of of, of the above. Um, that, I, I, can't I, stand, I can't stand the Clash. <laughs> can't right. stand the Clash. Um, uh, should should I stay or should I go? When that was reissued, that was everywhere, and I was sick of it. I, I, it's amazing though. When if one little prejudice that you have when you're like twelve does stick with you, doesn't it? It can do. You know, I've, I've always thought that I've always thought the Rolling Stones were were a joke band. Um, I, I I think they're they're leaning towards that now, but I've always thought that they, they shouldn't be taken seriously. I'm I'm actually quite impressed by the Stones and how they're still bloody. De- I mean, how yeah. they're still alive is beyond me. <laughs> um, I mean, because they all look they, fucked, don't they? <laughs> they do, they are, but. But I, 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 I now want to go out and read a book on the Rolling Stones to find out a bit more about them because they, they do, sound like, they, they do yeah. sound like they've had a fascinating life. But oh, yeah. um, so I'm, I'm just going to I'll play you, Sweet Virginia. There you go. It's surprising because I, I, I was kind of, because, because of how you feel about the Rolling Stones, I was expecting to hear something that was less like the Rolling Stones. <laughs> I th- no, the, the thing I think that got me is the certain songs that really do sound like the Rolling Stones, but then you've got a gospel choir in the background, and it just surprised me. I'm conflicted with my, my own decisions. It's okay, Simon. <laughs> you can be all right. I think, I think in this instance, you just need to let, let a little bit of ego and judgment go. Yeah, I haven't, I haven't, that, it's not my ego. Just enjoy I, I, what you enjoy. Yeah. yeah. You don't have to. You shouldn't have to convince yourself to. Uh, yeah. But I mean, I if you like that, then you. Go, I mean, that was it. Was you know, without a doubt, you you could play that track and you could say to me, "Tell me who this is within thirty seconds," and I've never heard the song before, and I could tell you. Yeah. Well, yeah, I know, but I, I think uh, it's it, it's weird as well. I, I've always been a big fan of the Beatles. I think I think the Beatles are still probably well, arguably one of the best bands that have ever been. Yeah. And. But I can't stand the White Album. Uh, the White Album is their double album, and it's just full of absolute tripe. Um, there's maybe two songs on it that I'll listen to ever. Um, the rest is absolute rubbish. And the quality, the quality dips all over the place. Um, it's terrible. Um, and it's, it's almost like they, just, they were so desperate for it to be a double album, they just threw any shit at it. Whereas stones did this it's it's almost it's almost it almost makes me annoyed at how shit the white album is that the rolling stones can do a double album that is so good it's i i I feel that it's it's i think it's the white album the beatles wanted to make but didn't make it very well and the rolling was very successful though wasn't it yeah and a lot of people like it i can't stand it it's terrible My, my my Beatles kind of always stopped at, at the White Album. I used to love all of their albums, up, up to the White Album, and then I never listened to anything else past it. I, I was that disappointed in it. Um, but again, 
last year I listened to uh, Abbey Road for genuinely probably the first time ever and that blew me away um so then I thought oh I, I, going off what the sort of thing that you're telling me to do uh, I really loved Abbey Road listened to that constantly for about two weeks and I thought you know what I'll give the White Album another go Ugh, it's it's awful <laughs> It's terrible. Sorry, Paul, if you're listening, but it is. It's shit. What's the What's the uh, the most recent album you've been listening to? Then that's probably you know I don't mean an album that um you know you've you've listened to for donkey's years and it's you know you've listened to it this morning. I mean, in terms of the most uh, well, that would be Pet Shop Boys, and actually, and I was listening to that this morning. <laughs> yeah. Um, what's my, what's my newest? What's my newest... Most recent album that you've listened to in terms of release date? See, the problem is we're at a really shit time for music coming out. Yeah. Because not, not much is coming out. I'm going, th- I'm going through my, my recently added stuff and <laughs> there's nothing. I started, well, I started listening this morning to... Um, I think I've told you about this band before. They're called Static X. Right. And I went to see them at Leeds Uni last year no it must have been this year and um you know static x have been around on the metal scene since the 90s and their, their yeah. first album with that uh, was called uh, wisconsin death trip and it was uh, a fantastic album and you'll probably know that you know you'll you recognize them from their frontman wayne static and he had really big hair no <laughs> um they did uh you might know him from I mean, it's a god-awful film and it's a shame I've got to reference it, but they did the theme tune to Queen of the Damned. No, I've never seen that. Um, <laughs> and and but so, so, so a, f- a few years ago, Wayne Static actually died, the frontman, and uh, they didn't do anything for a while. And then they brought on, it's a really weird idea that like, you know, not many, when I first heard about them doing it, I thought, oh, fucking hell, this is going to be bad. They, they, they brought in a guy to um not not to replace Wayne as such to actually act as him um and he was called uh, uh zero and nobody knows who he is although we do secretly know who he is now um and it's spelled x e r and the number zero right. and he wears like a um like a i think you call it like a necrosis mask it's a mask that essentially looks like the dead body of Wayne Static. Right, okay. And he does his hair like him and he dresses like him and sounds like him. And obviously, it, you know, it sounds all, it sounds bad, doesn't it? Yeah. And that, that was my first impression. I was like, for fuck's sake, guys, you know, it's over. Um, and then they announced the now then they announced the Wisconsin the Wisconsin Death Trip tour. And they went on tour with um Dope, which are another sort of quite famous band on the metal scene. Uh, they're like sort of new metal, metal like hip hop style. Um, Soil uh, Wednesday thirteen, and it's all these names just from way back when you know when I was like a proper metalhead when I was right. in school, and it, these, this is the type of shit I was listening to. And uh, and, and they all went on a big reunion to uh, last year, and they and they and they came to Leeds. So so I went there and watched this gig, and Static X absolutely blew my socks off. I was like, that was fucking amazing. It was so good, and they're almost there are elements of Static X that you'll like because it's like dance, dancey metal. Right. They, they do a lot of mixing, and you know, the, it's it's not unusual for the tracks to start off almost like uh, you know you could be listening to a, a DJ, and, right. and then slowly but surely it'll fade in these really chugging sort of guitars, and then it'll it'll swap between like a really industrial dance type 
song to a metal song. And they've, they've always done that sort of thing. They've always been quite dancey as well as, as being quite heavy. And uh, they released, their, they've been working on something called Project Regeneration. And they released it last uh, this week, uh, last week. No, this week they released it. And they've used um, offcuts from Wayne Static's vocals that they had from before he died. Right. Fused with. From, uh, from before he died? Wow. Yeah. <laughs> from before he died, yeah, they couldn't get any after it afterwards, and uh, fused. They could, with... they could, but very croaky. <laughs> uh, f- fused with uh, Zero's vocals, and I've just started listening to that. And I mean, I've, I've, only, I've only actually listened to the first five tracks, but it's better. It's already better than what I was expecting it to be. Um, but the, you know, it's it's quite commonly known now. I think, even though no one's admitted it openly from the band, but the. Um, the frontman is actually Ed Sol Dope. So, you know, I mentioned the band Dope for they, they, they toured with Static X. Um, it's actually him. It's actually their frontman that's performing twice in one night and he's, he's right. on, in his band that he's known for, Dope, and then he's going backstage, getting his mask on, and then and then actually head, then actually headlining the show as a frontman of Static X. Right. Um, and he, he hasn't openly come out. He's actually denied it. You know, he's actually said, no, it's not me. But it's all the evidence points towards it being him. Well, is he the same height? Yeah, but that's not. I wouldn't say that's the biggest giveaway. <laughs> it's a, it's a it's a it's a big giveaway, though, isn't it? Well, yeah, but a lot of people could. If you're, be that stu- if you're stood there watching, well, is is it the same? It, 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 it will stand up in court if he said both men are five <laughs> <laughs> eleven. Have they got the same? Have they got the same build? Does he does he sound the same? Well, that no, because they're both very slim. But they sound, they sound completely different. I mean, Edsel Dope and, and Wayne Static have a completely 100... I mean, nobody sounds like Wayne Static. Right. He had a very unique voice and a unique way of, you know, it, you, you knew you were listening to Static X. And Edsel Dope is more of like a, a rapper, really. And uh, it, there's, there's nothing that suggests that, it, you know, it's like, you know, if you look at them closely... Yeah, they've got the same build and the same height, but so fuck. You know, I mean, a lot of other members in lots of other bands are five eleven and have that same. It's it's just he doesn't look anything like him on stage because he's wearing Wayne Static style clothes and his his hair is like two foot up in the air, and he's got this mask on and he sounds just like Wayne Static as well. The the, the problem is that you're making it sound like he just like disappears behind, puts on a pair of glasses with a funny nose and a moustache, and you're completely fooled by it. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's not a. It's, <laughs> it's not a. Uh, <laughs> what do uh, you call them? You know, the nose and the yeah. Uh, nose and the sash. So <laughs> let me show you. So the guy who's fit, that's Edsel Dope, right? And that's Wayne Static. That that's the guy who. That's Zero. So that's Zero and Edsel Dope. So. Right. We believe that that's the same person. Yeah, that, it probably is. Yeah, but, but you've got nothing to. <laughs> we've got nothing, to, and that's that's sort of what he looks like. Again, with the trackies on, that's zero. Look at his, look at his mouth; it's exactly the same, and the beard. <laughs> he barely has a beard. It's the same guy. Same guy. <laughs> but it's just you know, I mean, they, they, they've known each other for a long time. They go on tour together. So he'd be the natural choice anyway. Well, I, I, I don't know how you could. It's it's it really surprised me that they went down that route. Like no one does that, do they? It's like no. oh, we've, we've lost a key member of the band. Let's let's just find somebody and dress him up exactly like it. it yeah. Like I said, it, it, when I first heard they were doing it, I thought, oh, for fuck's sake! But yeah. I can honestly say, hand on, I'm so happy that they did because that show was amazing, and it actually, 
I went out and bought. I went to um, I went to uh, not Rumble. Um, what's the vinyl on Hedro called? The vinyl store on Hedro. Uh, Jumbo. Jumbo. Yeah, I went to Jumbo yeah. Records and 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 bought um, a special a special edition of Wisconsin Death Trip um, after seeing them play live. And uh, it's a fucking it's a it's a brilliant album. It's so good. Um, it was released in the nineties. It was like mid nineties. It actually it was first released. But um, yeah, so that's that's the sort of the the that's what I, st- I started listening to it this morning in the shower. It replaced Les Mis. <laughs> <laughs> Episode, so what am I saying? What well, is episode one of the outro to what we've just done? Okay. Thanks for listening, everyone. That was episode one of the newest series in the Simon and Ross podcast. I thought it was quite an interesting one. We got the opportunity to talk about some things, even if half of it was about my boy Dickens. My, my boy. <laughs> I wonder how many I think... people. I wonder how many of our listeners still actively read Charles Dickens. <laughs> All right. Well, let us know on Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> we'll get that trending. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> the Charles Dickens estate is just sat there in the afternoon, going. What, 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 he's, he's blowing up all over again. What's going on? <laughs> the 319 followers we have on Facebook have just tweeted about Charles Dickens. Amazing. <laughs> so there are already Dickens fans out there, like myself, who still read it and still actively, you know, re- really enjoy the books outside of just being forced to do it in school. I would like to hear from you. Yeah, sh- show us your Dickens. <laughs> That's a t shirt. <laughs> There's no way. I won't be caught dead. <laughs> Only an absolute hipster cop would wear that t-shirt. It, it, it's, a, it's a genuine uh, market out there, though, isn't it? You know, someone, someone with a big, big beard and a ponytail is going to wear a t-shirt that says "Show us your dickens." Yeah, probably. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. Actually, or you know, David Cockerfield. <laughs> Tale of two titties. <laughs> I just should I just sit back and let you freestyle? <laughs> you uh, this this might be the best bit of the show we've just done. <laughs> uh, I'm trying to think of uh, any Dick, any Dickens credibility that that I or we yeah. did have has just gone completely out. Of yeah, Taylor <laughs> Dickens. The, uh, the Charles Dickens community have just gone, oh, there's a blip on the map. Oh, it's just <laughs> So, uh, yeah, so we, we kind of treat this as a bit of a pilot just to see how it goes, and uh, hopefully over the next few, we'll uh, iron a few um, bugs out. Iron a few. <laughs> creases is the word you're looking for? Yeah, creases. Crease. Iron a, a few creases, yeah. yeah. That is a whole other level of obsession, isn't it? Ironing books. <laughs> Have you, ever, have you ever done that? <laughs> no, I haven't. <laughs> anyway, so we'll join you. Uh, no, you'll join us. Well, join us 
we'll all come together. And uh, we'll, we'll uh, yeah, see, see you on the next one. <laughs> Thanks, guys. Bye. Thanks. Bye. I feel like I've got a bum. I can actually feel. I can feel a bum. I, I've, I've not got much of a bum. That's it's why my jeans always fall down. You've got, you got a juicy peach on you now. It's getting there. Getting there. I can definitely feel it. Yeah. Um, but there's a few. There's like even just the stretching at the end. It really gets your your bum. And you know, I, I kind of once I've finished, but it, I get a few twinges in my backside, and I think, oh right, I've I've, I've done it. And, and I think that's part of the problem as well. I, you turn around, they're just buttons just mounted. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but when I, because when I, I started, I, I started. I don't know you weren't working there, but I started getting acupuncture and um, like some physio. Um, but I was paying like forty-five quid a time, so I had to stop it. But he, he was sort of saying the problem is because of because of my problems with my hip, my hip and the pelvis. Would it be? I don't know. I can't remember. It's all it's it's locked up essentially. It, it, there's no movement on it. For for a long time, I've not had much of an ass, <laughs> but now I'm actually using it to to walk. And because he, he, he said, if, if you if you are walking and you get tired, use your buttocks to walk. It's like what's <laughs> downstairs? Like like a dog on the carpet. <laughs> and, yeah. and, and but when I do get tired every so often, especially if I'm going off for a long walk. I use my backside to actually walk, so rather than just lifting your leg, you push with your backside, and it it does help. <laughs> it does help, and the movement's getting there. You just you just um, end up soiling yourself in the process. <laughs> <laughs> but no, it's nice. So yeah, I, no, I, good. I, I'm almost at the stage where I'd consider going to a yoga class just to to, to see how it what it's like. Yeah, you should. I'm, 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 I'm now convinced I won't fart every time I bend over, which is what most people's concerns are with it, isn't it? <laughs> when, uh, we, I, when we when we train, as soon as we, if we like if, if, early on in the workout, it's like we'll, we'll train. You know, like let's say we do we do we've done 15 minutes of like legs and core, and yeah. then you drop down and start doing some abs. The minute I start doing bicycles, bicycle crunches, it's just <laughs> just sending them across the room. <laughs> But then because you're doing bicycle crunches, you're doing it and then sitting up into it. Yeah. <laughs>